it's so important that we have a confident hope. And that we do because we can know Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. I want to talk a little bit about that today to encourage you and how to find hope when you feel like hope is waning. Heavenly Father, uh, I pray that you would speak to those who are feeling darkness rolling over them, who feel alone and are looking for your direction in this time of loneliness. I thank you, Lord, that you are, you are near the brokenhearted and that you redeem uh, those of us uh, when we are in despair. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Um, where do you find confidence, a confident hope, when all hope seems lost? Easter Sunday, we talked about how our hope in Christ is a reasonable hope, how it is a, um, a transformative hope. We'll talk about that some more later on. Um, but we also talked about how it is a confident hope. Certainly we, become, we can be confident because it doesn't come out of our goodness. God doesn't give us hope because we deserve it, but because of his mercy. We see that in the, in the hope that he gives to Mary, Magdalene, and, and, and John, and Peter, and the disciples. Not because they were worthy of it, not because they deserved it, but because he, he is merciful. But I also want you to appreciate how our hope is confident in him. What did Jesus do the night before he was crucified? See, confidence is being able to hold on to hope when all hope seems lost. Track the emotions of the disciples this weekend. And what we many have pointed out that, that their emotions went from being fearful to fearless, from being cowardly to confident, from being gloomy to glad, from being completely powerless to powerful, from feeling overwhelming defeat to experiencing eternal victory. And that is the hope that we have as well. The, the three days of the Easter weekend are, are days that we need to understand we live in, in this world. In this world, we will suffer. We will experience moments like Friday, when death, when, when hope feels dead. Saturday, where hope feels buried. The shock of Friday is over, but Saturday is, okay, how do I adjust to this? This is a new norm. And then Sunday, when hope is renewed. And one of the great tragedies of life is when people take the Judas approach to life. It is so dangerous and it's so easy for, uh, for people to make that mistake where Judas, the difference between Judas and the disciples is not imperfection. They all messed up. The difference for Judas is on Saturday and Friday and Saturday, he quit before he could experience Sunday. What keeps us going when we feel like quitting? When we feel like the dream has died. What did Jesus do? We pointed out that he reached out to his friends. I love Luke chapter um, 22. 
Jesus gathers together with his friends for this Passover meal. Verse 14 says, when the hour came, Jesus and his disciples reclined at the table and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I tell you, I will not eat of it again until it, until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Jesus reached out to people. He reached out to his friends and said, I need to have this. I've eagerly desired with um, with the, literally the idea there is I, with great lust, I have lusted to have this meal with you. Jesus was God, but he was also fully man. And he knew he needed his friends to keep him strong. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36, after the meal, what did they do? Then Jesus came to a place with them called Gethsemane, and he told his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Taking long Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, I'm deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay with me. And then going a little farther, he fell face down and prayed. If Jesus needed his friends in his time of discouragement, how much more do we? If that was Jesus' path of maturity, how much more is it ours in our time of need? You see, isolation is the temptation, turning away from people because we don't want to be embarrassed, because we don't want to be a burden, because we don't, because uh, we're tired, because we're introverted for, for whatever reason. There's a temptation in difficult times to isolate and say, I'm going to handle this on my own. But isolation can be, it is destructive. Christianity Today had an article called Pandemic Worsens, Worsened Isolation of Addiction last year. It said, according to the statistics from the CDC, a few months of the start of the pandemic, more than 40,000 Americans self-reported new and increased substance abuse. People turned to drugs as a way of coping. And that number, they suggest, is most likely low. By the end of 2020, the article went on to say the country saw a record 90, almost 92,000 drug overdose deaths. Up from 70,000 in 2019. In 2021, more than 100,000 people died from an overdose. Gary Blackard, CEO of a Christian drug and alcohol recovery program, noted one of the worst things you can do with somebody who's struggling with addiction is isolating them. To put somebody in isolation who's struggling that way certainly exacerbates the addiction and the struggles. According to the work of psychologists Anne Case and uh, Angus Deaton, we are living in the midst of what they call a period of the death of the deaths of despair. They calculate that more than 158,000 deaths a year are due to drugs, alcohol, and suicide brought on by COVID, the current economic situation as well as the normal stresses of life. 
If there's one underlying trait that sets people up for despair, it is disconnection from community. We all need godly friends who can be God's hope for us when we feel like hope is lost. It's no accident that when you read through the Bible, you don't read of Lone Rangers. Abraham had Sarah, Moses had Joshua, and Aaron, and Jethro, and Miriam. David had Nathan, Paul had Barnabas, and Silas, and Timothy, and Epaphroditus. Jesus had his 12. And when things were getting really rough for Jesus, as he was approaching, as it was time for him to turn to Jerusalem and to face his final week, I think it's fascinating that one of the things that God the Father does for him is sends two old friends, Moses and Elijah, to talk with Jesus. We call that event the Mount of Transfiguration. We don't know exactly what they talked about. We just know that Peter, James, and John went up there with them, and all of a sudden there was this great cloud, and Moses and Elijah are standing there with Jesus. Don't you wonder what they're talking to Jesus about? Can't you imagine? These are all friends from beyond. These are all friends, in a sense, from heaven. Jesus has known Elijah and Moses since they passed on. And now, can't you imagine they're giving them him encouragement to keep going on? It's a heavenly reunion. Let me ask, who is your Nathan? David has Nathan. Who are, who, who are your 12? Here's the deal. You need to develop them before Good Friday. Jesus spent three and a half years at least developing those friendships. You can't microwave deep friendships that give you hope for the time of crisis. You need that group now. You need to discipline yourself now. It's one of those it's one of those disciplines where it's really easy to keep doing all the stuff that feels urgent and that feels fun or feels like you need to do, but you don't, you don't go to that small group. You don't commit to that, to the group of people. You don't think, you know what? I need to be part of this group because of other people, not just for me. You just kind of go through life and you react like everybody else and you live like everybody else. And then in the time of despair, the relationships are not there. But for those who have the discipline, for those who realize that the church is the body of Christ, that our, our groups, our friendships are deepened, preparing us for those days where we can share great joys or we can share great burdens. Um, we need the body of Christ. We need people. You know, last year I ran across the story of 12-year-old Brody Ritter came home from school downcast. Uh, my experience in middle school, this is middle school for him, was that uh, most days I came home downcast. Somebody said, if you die and wake up in middle school, um, <laughs> you know you've gone to the wrong place. Um, but, um, you know, middle school is a tough thing. It's, it, it's that time when you start to really care about your friendships 
And yet it's a time when people, kids can be so cruel and they lack perspective. Well, Brody Ritter came home after school. It was the day where yearbooks were being signed. And only a couple of people were willing to sign his yearbooks. Most kid he asked to sign, kids he asked to sign said no. Two teachers, two classmates, nobody else. Brody wrote, in fact, in his own yearbook, hope you make some more friends. Rear's mom, Cassandra, did a very mom thing at this point. I wouldn't recommend moms doing this, but a very mom thing. She took Brody's yearbook and, um, and wrote a Facebook post. And I can understand why, because this yearbook experience for Brody was the icing on the cake. He had experienced a, a year, basically, of being ostracized, belittled, bullied by some. And now this mom's heart was breaking. And she wanted to update family and friends. And she described Jody, uh, Brody's experience, saying, my heart is shattered. Teach your kids kindness. Somehow the word got out. Celebrities, companies, parents, even other kids began reaching out online and in person to show Brody their support. Among the people who responded was an actor named Paul Rudd, the guy, I guess, who plays Ant-Man. Rudd actually FaceTimed Brody and then sent him a handwritten note. The note read, Brody, it's important to remember that even when life gets tough, things get better. There are so many people that love you and think you are the coolest kid there is, me being one of them. Here's the point. When we feel hopeless, God will put people in our lives who give us encouragement, who show us love, who give us hope. You may feel like a loser, but there are people in your life who would tell you, don't give up. You have so much to offer. You are not a loser. You matter so much to us. You may feel hopeless, but they can look at you and say, no, I'll tell you why I have hope in you. You may feel unloved, but they'll say to you, oh, so many people love you and I'm one of them. But you need to reach out. You need to get the support um, by reaching out and being involved with people. I heard recently that often the difference between a suicide attempt and not is five minutes. That if somebody just reaches out to somebody else in a five minute period, when the despair is the worst and says, don't give up. We believe in you. We love you. You don't want to do this. That that can restore hope for that part. Not everybody, but, but for those who can be reached. So reach out to godly friends and be open. See, it's not just enough to have a bunch of people around you, but you never open up to them. You have to be willing to be vulnerable. Jesus said to his disciples, I'm deeply grieved to the point of death. Pray with me. 
Jesus needed friends, not just that, he didn't just need friends from a distance, he needed friends so he opened up to them and was vulnerable. He's, a, he is, he's God in the flesh, and yet he says to them, I'm grieved to the point of death. I'm deeply hurting. And they didn't run away from him. They didn't look down on him. It allowed them to draw closer to him. Who are you sharing your discouragements with? Who are you sharing your despairs with? Now, you can't trust everybody, but you have to trust a few. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says, Carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. There are people in place right now in your sphere of relationships right now who would love to carry your burdens. You're feeling discouraged and hopeless. There are people who, are, who care for you right now <laughs> who would love to give you hope. I remember when I was in um, junior high and high school. Um, it was a really difficult time. I remember people saying, junior high and high school, those are the best years of your life. And I remember thinking, if these are the best years of my life, I don't know that I want to see the next years. But, um, but my mom would say, you know, Brett, pray for one friend. If God gives you one true friend who can walk with you through this, that's enough. And I can guarantee you there's at least one, and there's probably many more, who would love to be a true friend of yours if you would reach out, if you would let them. I shared with you last week, Ellie Wiesel, um survived the Holocaust with a concentration camp. Rick Warren asked him one time, how did you do it? How'd you find the strength? He said two things, God and friends. And I think that's pretty much true for all of us. I know it was true for Jesus. Jesus needed friends and he was an example to us, but he also did that because as a human being, he needed those friends for hope as well. We can have a confident hope if we have friends, if we will reach out to friends that we let God use to give us that confident hope when hope is lost. So if you're not in a small group, get involved in a small group. You say, I don't have enough time. I don't, I don't get a lot out of it. You know what? It's not, maybe it's not all about you. Maybe it's not about you needing a small group. You needing other people you know, to help you. Maybe, you. maybe other people in that group need you. Maybe you're showing up there. It's not primarily about you. Maybe it's about you helping somebody else. Now, you won't have that perspective for 20 years. But today, you do it because it's the right thing to do. You need a small group. You need the church, the body of Christ. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we can have a confident hope and it's not just vague and ethereal, but you give us that confident hope through people. Lord, hear our prayer. I pray that if there's anybody right now who's feeling in doldrums or certainly in despair, that they would reach out and just to somebody and, and you, they would find the person you have waiting to talk to them, to care for them. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Is there somebody you need to reach out to that God's put in your heart as we pray that prayer? 
reach out to them right now and encourage them, give them hope.